This is exactly right. Everybody's lungs are totally healthy tonight. <laughs> Yay. Wow, hi, guys. This is uh, our second and best night in Toronto. <laughs> good move, good move. Thank you, thank you. They'll, thank never, you. No, they'll never notice that. Uh, I just want to start off by saying I woke up from my nap an hour ago. Yeah, Georgia? <laughs> I fucked up. Georgia? Georgia is the timely one. Georgia is the one that's that's the one always standing like in front of the restaurant doors waiting for me <laughs> as I roll up 17 minutes late. That's the standard that we are adjusting to and <laughs> trying to fix. So as I was running out of my hotel room tonight at uh, 6.08 or whatever, like, oh my God, everyone's waiting for me. And then I get a text. From Vince. Georgia just woke up. You can go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll send someone for her. <laughs> it's never, in three years, it's never happened. It's never happened. Shockingly. I'm, I'm surprised. So, you know, I do the thing. I get all my story ready and da da da, da. I'm going to take a nap. I'm also a little sick, so I'm a little high on cold meds. Yeah. It's going to be great. I'm going to find, I have so much time for a nap. Vince says, okay, meet, you know, Vince leaves to go to the venue and then he says, go meet us downstairs at six o'clock. I say, great. And I set my alarm for... Six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I wake up to the fucking loud ass hotel phone and, and I'm like, and I look at the clock and go, that doesn't make sense. And then it was Vince being like, where are you? What's going on? <laughs> I have to say, uh, I don't like the ring of a hotel phone. Oh. It, it's not good. It's never, when you pick that up, it's never like, hey, you're the best. <laughs> yeah. It's always an emergency yep. or you left something somewhere that you shouldn't have put it there. The thing you've been doing is bugging someone that's next to you. Yeah, or they're like, yeah, this credit card doesn't work at all. <laughs> like, why would they be, why would anyone call on a landline Uh-oh. unless there's been a death in the family or <laughs> you, you have to get out of the room because you have no money? Those are... <laughs> The only options. So it must have been a horrifying way to wake up. It was, but I fucking made it. Hence the pigtails, by the way. Hi. I would have. <laughs> yeah. I I would have. I was gonna do a, a bouffant up to with a. Yeah. You know, oh, thing. you should see her back home. It's humongous. But instead, I look like a teenager from here and a vintage woman from here. Yeah. It's a great look. It's confusing. It's, there's an attraction <laughs> repulsion. People are like, whatever it is, I can't stop staring at her. You, you played your cards correctly, Thank my you. friend. I'm going to start waking up 20 minutes before, after I have to leave again. Join um, me. Join me in late club. You know what's so weird is someone posted a photo. From, they came to the show last night. Then they went vintage shopping today. Or maybe something. And they found this fucking dress. No. Yes. I should have brought the photo. They found a... Who is it? It's a sweaty back? It's handmade. There's no way. There's no tag in this. No way. Yeah, I swear to God. It even has the same hole that I have. 
Yes. Is tonight the night you bust out? No. I love it. Pretty. All right. Um, well, I let I, let's see. Can I just explain my outfit? Um, no, that's okay. I really don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, I've only been performing for 25 years to get exactly that response from me. I don't like it. Um, I wasn't paying attention to the time, so I spent so much time on my eyeliner and then realized that my hair, like Vince is like four minutes, and my hair was up in two weird clips to get it out of my face where I'm like, oh no. It was four very minutes. 90s. It was, it was a 90s look. It was like, it was me, three Zimas in. <laughs> And then I just had to take it down. I'm like, I think I'll just put a hand lotion in it. Like, I don't, that's what I do when I'm running late. And then also, I, so I was just like, get it down, try to make, smooth it out. And then as I'm going, I'm like, oh, I have blushed like a doll right now. All right, well, we gotta go no, anyway. You gotta, you gotta scream it to the balcony, the blush. Oh yeah, this is for you guys. Can you see it? It's all for you. It's all for you. They're like, she looks healthy. And everyone down there is like, she has rosacea. It's not healthy. We should have a like first five rows, no photos. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I love when people post photos like, we met people last night. I'm like, you didn't have to post that photo of me. <laughs> How about you? If you really loved me, you photoshopped me out of every fucking photo. I'm almost 50 for fuck's sake. <laughs> Give me a break. Oh, hey. Oh, hey, but, but speaking of, this is my favorite murder of the podcast. Oh, yeah. Hi, welcome. This is Karen Kilgariff. This is Georgia Hardstark. We're so, so proud to be in a different country. Yep. Oh, also, just really quick to explain these Jews. <laughs> I just remembered these two. That's how quickly I get used to things. Normally I wear a pair of clogs that my sister hates because she hates them. That's, that's how I do fashion. Um, it's like a, the, the first live show we did, I was wearing these clogs and my sister was there and saw them and was like, you're not fucking wearing those on stage. And I'm like, now I'm wearing them forever. And I really have worn them since we started touring. And when we were in Detroit, uh, I left them at the theater and I did, the man was going to drive back and get them. And I'm like, those things are gross. First of all, I don't want you to touch them that much. <laughs> unsupervised. <laughs> and also that's terrible. It's like freezing cold. I was like, you know what? I must have subconsciously not wanted those clogs no more. Please don't go get them for me. I mean, before we went on stage, you said, I need to get rid of these. I did. So, and you did, and you And then I did it, get rid of them. And did it. And then I put on my, um, my, my Uggs that also secretly have plantar fasciitis <laughs> inserts inside of them. Because I'm 70. <laughs> and, uh, but at least this dress has pockets. Yeah. Love it. Love Good luck, players. <laughs> Love the move. Loving it. Um, what else? You know what my dad did? What? I, he's, my dad's watching the cats right now. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Marty, Marty already asked Vince if he has a pot grinder somewhere in the house. <laughs> um, but 
you know dads, he fucking somehow figured out a way to make the Wi-Fi stop working. <laughs> it's like in a corner. There's no way unless he touched it. Like, and there's no reason. <laughs> Anyways. Like, is this a pot grinder? <laughs> <laughs> He uses Mimi, we get back, she's just her fucking... So I can't watch my cats on the cat camera anymore. And I'm just, I know, it's really upsetting. I'm just going with it. Yeah, just go with it. Hoping my dad's not super high. Oh, he is. Oh, he totally is. That's, he's probably gone onto the roof and unplugged the (laughs) Wi-Fi. Is this this what you were asking about? Why do we give him that voice? He doesn't talk like that at all. I'm doing the Elizabeth Holmes voice from Theranos. Oh, yeah. We're going to change the world. (laughs) One drop of blood. One drop of blood. If you haven't listened to The Dropout, you have to listen to the podcast, The Dropout. It's amazing. If you're listening to it right now, take your headphones out. Yeah, stop it. This is time for our podcast. It's a different podcast altogether. Not that bitch's podcast. (laughs) What if she made that podcast? Okay, whatever. Um, Uh, She's just uh, here. Oh, quick corrections corner. I ripped everybody off for 10 years. I stole $9 billion. Quick corrections corner. From a bunch of old men who should have fucking known better. Actually, it would be genius if she had a podcast. Should we sit down? Do you want to? I guess. Okay. Let's do it. Thanks. Oh, hold on. Because remember the bit we always do where we're like, Steven. Oh, yeah. We always do that. He's here. Yes. 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 Hi, Toronto. I I got this Degrassi sweater for free, and I was like, if I don't wear it, what would I be doing? Amazing. Such a great move. Um, Yeah, Manny's my favorite character. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, Toronto. (laughs) All right. right. Steven, everybody. (laughs) I mean, what more do you say when you come out in a fucking Degrassi? Yeah. You don't sure. don't upstage yourself with your own sweatshirt. I mean, <laughs> or mustache. <laughs> I just love that in uh, every other live show that we do, we always re- reference Stephen, and then people yell Stephen, and then we're like, "He's not here tonight." And everyone goes, "Uh," and it's like this wonderful call and response that we've all practiced. <laughs> You're not really but for you, Toronto. We brought him yeah. live. We didn't. That's right. We didn't really bring him live. Okay, now we can sit down. <laughs> okay, now we're sitting down. Okay. These are the Anderson Cooper, Andy Cohen chairs that they get delivered to every city they do a show in and leave behind for us to put our butts in. That's right. It's great. We appreciate it. Sounds it sounds like gossip, but it's true. <laughs> you want to tell? Do you want to talk about? Do stuff? you want to tell everyone? <laughs> do you want to tell them what this podcast is? Of course I do. Right. Um, this is the part where we explain to everybody that this is a true crime comedy podcast, <laughs> and there's some people that get very upset by that combination. Uh, they think it's offensive. They think that we're making jokes about people who have been murdered. They don't listen and they don't know us. And you we brought have... them. That's right. And, <laughs> For some reason, you insisted that they come to a show that they don't understand and that they're not interested in. Thank you so much for that. Great. That's why I don't wear my glasses on stage, so I don't, every 50th person, see a face that's like, I don't care about pockets in your dress. It's like, 
I should start wearing glasses so I don't have to see that. <laughs> I really see the like first 20 rows. It's really disarming. But uh, I'm just basically saying this to say that there are people who think that and they don't understand that really what this is is it's two women who have been obsessed with true crime for a really long time like all our friends <laughs> and... And this is a thing we already talk about, but in personality-wise, the comedy part is just who we are as people. It's how we converse. It's how a lot of people in this world deal with the horrifying shit in the world by laughing, by using humor, by letting off the steam. So if you just happen to be one of those kind of people that thinks it's offensive, you can get the fuck out right now. That's it. That's it. Yes. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm making that speech longer and longer, and pretty soon I'm gonna ask for like a ladder and a spotlight, and it's gonna turn into my one woman show. Like, we get it, we've heard you say this 80 fucking times. And while we're at it, we know the hometown rules. No, you don't, because clearly, always comes clearly you don't. <sighs> Sorry, we yelled at you. Actually, the gal last night was wonderful, so we're not mad at you. Of course, because we're in Canada. Because yeah, you guys listen. Yes. You're smart and you tell good stories. That girl was like, I wanted to back up and just be like, it's your podcast now. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Goodbye. 
Um, I go first. Okay, great. Go first. Okay. Here we go. Thanks. Oh, I'd actually like to start off with a quick um, book report. This is this is my report Stand on the up. province of Ontario, Canada. <laughs> In the past, there have been times where I showed that I didn't know that much about the province of Ontario, Canada. Or maybe nothing at all. But I've worked to change that, and I want to show that to you right now. The Canadian province of Ontario is one of Canada's 13 provinces and territories. It is the second largest province in land area and the largest in total population. Ontario is home to the nation's capital city, Ottawa, and the nation's represent and the nation's most populous city, Toronto, which is also Ontario's provincial capital. The name Ontario is derived from the, from the Iroquois word meaning beautiful water. Ontario was settled by the Algonquian tribes in the north and west. Yeah. And the Iroquois, Iroquois, and Wyando Huron in the south and east. The official language of Ontario is English. <laughs> Ontario, the Canadian province, is not to be confused with the California city of Ontario, which was named after the Canadian province, Ontario, which is definitely where I am right now. I know that for a fact. <laughs> That I do know. The official flower of Ontario is white trillium. The official bird is the common loon. And the official website is www.ontario.ca. Please, please accept my apology, Canadian province of Ontario. I am so sorry. <laughs> With a little dig at the end, just to show them. Just to get them. Just to show them. If we do this for every city a week, do shows on, we'll, we're going to get so much better in like 22 years. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, it'll also be half the show is our, us apologizing <laughs> to the place we're in. Or just to words. The word attic has two T's <laughs> and ends in a C. And I'm still mad about it. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's truly <clears throat> stupid. I am going to go outside of the province of Ontario, Canada tonight so I can tell you all about the Ant Hill Kids cult. Ooh. Really? <laughs> okay. You guys aren't into cults as much as we... <laughs> Um, well, you must be, because this is fucked up. <laughs> uh, so, let's see. I got a lot of this information from, of course, our best friend, Wikipedia, and then, and then our secret lover, Murderpedia. <laughs> Which is, uh, we talk a lot about donating to Wikipedia. Murderpedia is the shit. I'm sure you all know this already, but you could also donate to that if you feel like it or have extra money. Who among us? Um, there's a net... Netflix movie called Savage Messiah about this, and there's a YouTube crime documentary called The Rock Terrio. Uh, uh, it's called The Rock Terrio. There, that must be wrong. 
Anyhow, but the reason I'm doing it is because um, I actually prepped it to do um, another time, and maybe when we were in Montreal one time, and uh, thank you, thank you, I made it all the way to French too in high school. <laughs> really rock that accent um, but it's so awful that I was like I can't do it it's awful and then last night um, a girl named Jen with two N's gave me a book <laughs> oh that's why you were like I need a book Where's yes book? I like snatched it up. I was just like I thought you would and I was like give it to me right now <laughs> it's a book called The Cult Files by Chris Michael M-I-K-U-L and this book is written for me so it's like say 12 chapters but the the print is really big <laughs> each cult has like five pages or six pages dedicated to it so you can like get in and out real fast <laughs> okay nobody gets hurt oh uh, everyone gets hurt every everyone gets hurt actually <laughs> in this book you can't make it in unless a bunch of people get right. terribly fucking hurt kind of the nature of cults um but it actually it's just like the second i stopped reading about this one it it I turned the page and then it's like um, the, you know, it was like people in the jungle or whatever. And then it was fucking Jonestown. We were just on to the next one. It was nice. awesome. Um, so get that book if you also have reading ADD like I do. <laughs> and thank you, Jen, for um, giving me a book. All right. <laughs> so the Ant Hill Kids Cult um, was started by a man named Rock Terrio. Let's just take a look. Do we... Oh no. Oh no. Yes. He's got the piercing blue eyes of a yes. psychopath. Yeah. He's got the a mustache comb over. <laughs> I mean truly, it's like it's like blinds over his lips. <laughs> what if most of that beard is actually mustache? Because yeah. he has beard just I'm saying entertain it. He has beard baldness. <laughs> And he's like, I gotta make up for, for my lack of beard. And when he um, when he wants to eat, he has to use like butterfly clips to clip yeah. it back. Is the two clips I had in my Almost hair came out. It. Yeah. That's right. He just clips them back. All right. Good. I bet that beard smells. That's all I can ever think of when I see a dude with a big beard. Yeah. I bet it smells. Also, it's like there's. It's almost like a mullet situation, but it's party in the front and party in the back. Yeah. It's just party, 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 party. It's a huge party. No party on top. It happens. By the way. Yeah. Okay. So this is our friend Rock Terrio. It is not spelled like that at all. That's fucking. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right? R-O-C-H. And that's... I had rock. to write it phonetically for myself. It okay. liter I literally, on every page, it says, rock like a rock, Terry-O like SpaghettiOs. Wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> every time I'm like, Thorolo? I thought... Thorolow? I thought you were trying to say something like, Rocktober, all Rocktober long, <laughs> like on a radio station. Rock. You know? So you're just confused. Totally confused. Just letting me. And I didn't look slightly to the right of his face. Right. Because why Be would I? Because that mustache is hypnotic. <laughs> look uh, at it. It's also just slight, a shade lighter than the beard. Uh-huh. It's because it's in the sun. It's like he just suns it. <laughs> <laughs> he suns himself. He puts the reflective yeah, yeah. thing underneath it. Right. 
and then puts copper copper tone yep. five on top. The lemon juice no. in there, so it'll <laughs> sun in. Yep. And then he and then he does just a light highlights, just little bleach chunky, strips, some be, chunky before the pits. <laughs> okay. He did an ombre when that was in. He takes care of his shit. That's what we're saying. <laughs> Try it, guys. <sighs> guys, Rock Terrio. Rocktober is the best month of the year. We're, all month long. we're gonna be playing the rock orgasms all night long. Okay. Stop it, Karen. Um, <laughs> quit it, Georgia. He <laughs> quit it. He was born on May 16th, 1947 in Saguenay, Quebec. Saguenay. Saginaw. No, it's not fucking Saginaw. <laughs> it's a fucking some American up here <laughs> translating incorrectly, leading us down the primrose path. Of course she's fucking Canada splaining to you. Yes. How dare she? How dare you French splain anything to me? <laughs> We're gonna call it the Segway Quebec. <laughs> and because of what you've done. <clears throat> From age six, um, he is raised in a town called Thetford Mines, which, you'll like this, was built over the world's largest deposit of asbestos. <laughs> Your favorite. I love asbestos. <laughs> it is the funniest thing. That I'm not... <laughs> okay. Truly. I just wonder, first of all, I feel like this whole story could go in a totally different direction. If a town is built over yeah. the largest natural deposit of asbestos, everyone goes asbestos crazy. Yeah. That, you've got a horror movie right there. Totally. Like, why do I have to do all the fucking work? But <laughs> anyhow, but that's not, it, it does, it's, this is definitely turning into a horror movie, but it's not asbestos related. Okay. We're going to write that one. Stephen, write that down. Stephen, please make several notes yeah. on the back of, of your Degrassi sweatshirt. You know what's so funny? What's weird to me is because I always feel so old when like, when the youngsters um, talk about the things that they love and I'm always like, I've never heard of that and I don't care. Um, <laughs> is usually my, I don't say it out loud. That's my internal. You actually do. You don't know that you say it out oh, loud every time. <laughs> yeah. You kind of you kind of mutter it to yourself. <laughs> Can you give a hand signal yeah. when I'm doing yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let me know. Sorry, I'll let you know. Um, uh, who cares? <laughs> um, but we, when I was in high school, that was the thing me and my friend Lisa Lanyon loved to do was walk home to her house because she lived near the high school. And then we would... <laughs> Sorry. I just had a, a side memory to this memory. Oh no. <laughs> where she and I, after high school, went and had dinner with her dad and his new wife after his, her mom died. So Oy. it was a very sad, it was very sad. And then immediately her dad got remarried and no one knew what to do. It, or no, sorry, they started dating. So this woman was his girlfriend. He did get remarried very soon, but he started dating like very quickly after her mom died. And we were all just kind of like, what? This is weird. So she called me and was like, you have to come over because my dad's girlfriend is coming over for dinner and I don't know what to do. Oy. So I was like, I'll be there. Don't worry about it. Well, we are offered wine at the top of the evening. And I'm like, it is on. <laughs> we get so fucking drunk at this dinner. I mean, like, if there was video, I wouldn't be able to watch it because it was insane. But we were kids' wine. We were coping. Well, we were like 
18, yeah, okay. 19 maybe. Okay. You know, sure. we were all just trying to get through a bad time. Sure. Um, <laughs> it wasn't even my bad time, but I was like, we're going to get through this, everybody. Give me more wine. <laughs> By the time dinner's over, <laughs> her dad has made everybody the dessert Bananas Foster. Uh-huh. And we go in to help him serve it to his new girlfriend and her son. Oh. <laughs> I just remembered he was there. <laughs> And Bananas Foster, whatever this dessert he was making, was like this fancy glass with like ice cream and bananas. And then he poured some liquor on it. And (laughs) as he's pouring the liquor, I yell, less bananas, more Foster. (laughs) And then we said that to each other for 15 years. Um, That confusing anecdote that must make no sense to you right now is because Lisa and I would go home every day after school and watch Degrassi Junior High like it would. When Spike got pregnant? Oh my fucking (laughs) God. I love her. We had all these choices and it was like we picked something. We were just like, we don't even really care about, it wasn't like we loved it. It was like we were, like we had to do it. And then after a while, we became addicted where it was like our soap opera and we would talk about it all the time. But in the beginning, we'd just be like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Who are these people? And then after a while, it's all we did. Yeah. It's a good show. Two terrible stories. My guarantee to you. <laughs> terrible stories all night long. Okay. Thank you. I hate that. Okay. So Rock's parents are named Hyacinth. That's Hyacinth. That's the dad. Okay. And Pierrette. Pierrette. That's the mom. Okay. They're devout Catholics. And... So, of course, he has seven brothers and sisters, because that's sure. how Catholics do it. Right. Um, he's a very intelligent child, drops out of school in the seventh grade, which is kind of common. Like, none of his brothers or sisters had educations past junior high. Mm-hmm. Um, what more is there to know? I mean, once you get out of junior fucking high, yeah. what more do you need to know? You're done. You've got the presidents memorized, <laughs> or leaders. You're, you're leaders. <laughs> You know the landmass of Ontario. You're done. Um, he begins to teach himself. And um, despite the rest of his family, who only speaks French, he learns English. He <laughs> seems like a real asshole. And, uh, yeah, what a show off. But he also um, begins to read the Old Testament. And he gets super into it because he loves all the apocalyptic end of the world shit that's in the Old Testament. It's pretty fucking cool. Right? Like most uh, tweens, he loves the idea of the end of the world. Okay, so his father is an ultra-conservative Catholic who belongs to a group called the White Berets. Anyone here tonight from the White Berets? We love your hats. He made Rock and his brothers and sisters march around town with him, military style, through their neighborhood, knocking on doors, asking for donations for the group, and passing out pamphlets for them. And he was so humiliated by that, and he hated being bossed around like that so much that he hated Catholicism. Like, he, it infuriated, the whole thing infuriated him. Um, and also, of course, other kids made fun of him um, for having to wear a white beret, which is so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> Not the theater kids. They supported him entirely, but um, the other, the jocks were mean. So um, 
so this was basically a, a breaking point for him. So he would later on tell stories of horrible abuse at the hands of his father, um, saying his father was an alcoholic um, and that he was so vicious and abusive to him that he would have to run into the nearby forest. And that's and while he was there, he met and frolicked with bears. Canadian bears are nice. Canadian bears are so polite. Yeah, that's right. They're constantly apologizing. Yeah. They have the best Kit Kats. <laughs> so, <laughs> is, he also told people uh, later on that um, he was paralyzed from age six to eight. Um, that when he was seven, he had a vision where he was playing St. Joseph in a theatrical production, and then later he did play St. Joseph in a theatrical production. Mm, that's just like a wish and a hope, and then you <laughs> follow through with it. Yeah, that's the, called The Secret, yeah. actually. <laughs> it's not your cult, dude. That's an Australian lady's cult. But he claimed that that meant that he was psychic and that he understood medicine. Uh, oh, no, wait, sorry, that's another claim. That's not connected. <laughs> He thought... Oh, that... Okay, didn't make any sense. I was like, let's make the sense of this. St. Joseph loves doctors? Maybe. Um, he thinks he understands medicine. He, he believes he has the ability and tells people he has the ability to mend arms and legs. <laughs> Bro- oh, broken arms and legs. <laughs> they have to be broken. They can't just be gross. Okay. All of this, of course are lies. Lies, lies. Um, He has a very standard childhood and friends, family, neighbors say they never saw Hyacinth Terrio raise his voice, abuse his kids, that that just simply wasn't the case. But the father did admit later to having to discipline Rock because he was, quote, a manipulative and incorrigible liar who refused to accept responsibility for his actions. Um, so, like, whenever he was caught drinking or smoking or doing anything, he would just argue and then blame one of his siblings. Um, nothing was ever his fault. And so there's all these stories of manipulative and callous behavior, and many psychologists believe that he, from a young age, uh, suffered from a narcissistic personality disorder. Fun. Right? That, all that in a white beret. Pictured in your mind. <laughs> oh, what a little shit. I'm thinking of Rushmore now, the movie Rushmore. <laughs> Seeing him. Yeah. Ugh. If the kid from Rushmore had just a terrible beard. <laughs> oh. oh, we can turn that off. Can we? I no wish. wonder you're so upset. <laughs> um, okay. And also, um, the, the, uh, they say that the myth-making lies um, are a way to... Like, he was trying to prove his superiority over others, uh, over regular people, which is common, a common tactic among cult leaders. So, but the thing is, he was really charismatic and charming, and... Um, Red flag, always. <laughs> always. <laughs> if you like someone, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> He would go to dance halls around town, around asbestos town, and drink (laughs) and pick up women. That was like his jam. He was very charming and persuasive, and he believed that his blue eyes, intelligence, and large penis meant (laughs) that everyone wanted to listen to him talk all the time. I mean, you don't even have to talk anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. How about you zip it? Um, He... He basically was an attention whore, and it didn't, he didn't care. He was just, like, out there to hold forth and be like, what's up, and then get laid. So, when he's 20, he 
basically gets himself the prettiest girl at the dance hall. It's his 17-year-old named Francine Grenier. And in 1967, he marries her. They have two children. And um, he's a really talented woodworker, so he makes them a house out of pine. Um, so he's not so bad. Um, <laughs> pine trees hate him, though. Yeah. <laughs> not to pine trees. That forest, those bears, bears that now have no trees to rub their back yeah. against. We were your friends. We gave you Kit Kats. What the fuck, bro? We <laughs> cavorted yeah. with you. Page three. <laughs> he gets a job. Even though he's a talented woodworker, he gets a job as a chimney inspector because that's his passion. Okay. <laughs> um... Okay, but here's another turning point. In 1970, he gets he has an operation because he has really bad duodenal ulcers. Don't ask me. Okay. Um, and he has to have a um, a large part of his stomach and some intestines removed. Oh, fuck that! Right? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> Um, There's a little weight. Yeah, and just oh, suddenly salads are really satisfying. <laughs> Never. Um, so this is when a family and friends say his personality changed. So he's because he's in constant pain. Okay. He also can't digest food very well, so he begins like binge drinking. I can't blame him. So. <laughs> He obsesses on his health. He starts reading medical textbooks that might be connected to his I can fix arms and legs from so childhood. Like, he was basically being a Google doctor, but back then. Yes. So he's like, what was wrong with me? So he is a visionary yeah. in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, but here's he reads medical textbooks. Then he starts telling everybody he has cancer. And that's like a weird way he gets attention from people too, which is talk about a fucking dark blood red flag. Yeah. It, it, like people lying about shit like that oh were just like. No, go back to the forest. So, <laughs> oh, and he also, so he stops paying attention to his wife and kids. His narcissistic tendencies are off the charts. He loses his job as a chimney inspector. Oh. And, <laughs> no. That was the final blow. <laughs> They're like, get off that roof. You're done. Get your head out of that chimney. Um, stop looking at it. They're no. Inspecting it. Look away. <laughs> Then he starts telling people that his insides are made of plastic. Oh. That's a bit of a jump. They're like, we, we were totally on board with your cancer, yeah, but... Yeah, that was fine. Wait a minute. How does plastic get cancer? <laughs> it only gives it. Okay, so... <laughs> then, phase two, he becomes obsessed with sex. More so. So... He had once been very controlling with his wife and saying you have to wear long skirts and be very, um, dress very low-key, cover yourself up. Now he insists that she wear short skirts and tight clothes and show herself off. And she's like, bitch, get a job. <laughs> How about you don't worry about my skirt? She didn't say that. She actually, the family went on welfare and she actually got a job as a waitress and was the only form of income for their family. Um... And because, of course, he's drinking all the time, and then he starts making wooden beer mugs. Okay. Imagine it. I'm thinking it. Bring it to your lips. Nope. Real. F pull it away fast. Oh, I have your splinter mouth. That's what they call you now. No. Splinter mouth. I have an idea. I'm going to do the thing no one's ever done for a really good reason. <laughs> Go ahead and make uh, wooden cups. <laughs> Wooden, wooden lip. 
lip cup? Lip cups. <laughs> lip specific cups. <laughs> they are a little bit popular in Quebec City. Not enough to make a living, but enough, right? You guys, you love wooden cups and shit. <laughs> you just love splinters. Um, uh, so he says he has to go out and sell these cups all the time, but of course, he's cheating on his wife. He's down at the dance hall. He's doing that shit that he loves to do so much. Hold forth, have a big dick, whatnot. Um, <laughs> Uh, so in 1975, somehow amidst all of this, he gets a seat on the city council. <laughs> because of course, when you're a super narcissist psycho, you want to get into politics. Yeah. That's, we all know that. And like, I think every politician, there's charming fucking people. Yes. Narcissists. Narcissists. Well, not- at least in our, in our country. <laughs> We're not going to get into this right yeah. now, but fuck Trump. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean truly I mean seriously truly I should have said that at the beginning too <laughs> um, he runs for city gets a seat on the city council at first they think he's really smart he's memorized the municipal code book which I'm sure no one else did so he's like ask me about page 63 God he sounds so annoying so boring so he's informed genuinely concerned about the town's issues but over time of course they see he's out of his mind and because he goes on these long rants and temper tantrums that make the city council meetings go on for hours um and they're all insanely relieved when he stops showing up for the meetings in 1976 they're just like is the beard here (laughs) so Francine, his wife, is, is of course just so sick of his shit. And then the, um, the final straw is when Rock asks his in-laws if they wouldn't mind uh, if he set up a nudist colony, colony on the land that they have. And wow. Francine's like, and we're done. <laughs> Goodbye. So she leaves him. Um, but Rock... Yeah, but he still manages to stay popular around town. And in 1976, he meets a girl at a dance hall named Giselle Tremblay. Um, he charms her with his sad story saying, A, he's dying of cancer, and B, his wife is cheating on him. Uh. So just hot, hot, hot. Like, oh my God. <laughs> Are you a pickup artist with these lines? <laughs> cancer, you say? Hold on. She loves it. <laughs> She quits her job, and they start traveling around selling wooden mugs. <laughs> How quickly was she like, oh, shit. shit. She's in that van like, what's that smell? What oh, van? it's the beard. The photo? No, I just figure he must, that guy oh. had a van. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's no way 70s? he did. For sure. Right? He actually, if your gre- beard grew this long in 1976, <laughs> they gave you a van. Um... His drinking gets worse because of his plastic stomach pain. Um, he, and then he becomes interested, he starts reading up on the occult, and he joins a Catholic-affiliated society called the Aramis Club. Um, but then he, uh, he becomes a head of their initiation committee, but when he suggests they wear capes with a picture of Satan on them, everybody <laughs> freaks out. <laughs> Do they freak out when they say there's no picture of Satan? There's no way we could put that on him. We don't know what he looks like. Then he pulls out a can of deviled ham and goes, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, there he is right there. Oh, my God. He points out a child at Halloween. Um, Oh, wait, is it true 
that up here, oh, you might not know, because this I heard this happens in Winnipeg, that in Winnipeg, okay, represent, in Winnipeg at Halloween, little kids, the, instead of saying trick or treat, they go, Halloween apples. No. <laughs> no. Do you not want them to, or are you saying that? <laughs> <laughs> no, they would never in their lives. We're getting a, I'm getting, I, I don't really care. 18 rows back, I can, yeah. So why in God's name would I ask this question? <laughs> who, who thinks yes and who thinks no? Okay. Halloween apples. <laughs> that was just someone pulling my leg, my Canadian leg. All right. They really gotcha. They really they, gotcha. They got me good. In Winnipeg. I've been humiliated in <laughs> Toronto about Winnipeg. Okay. So this is another great turn. In 1977, the, the Seventh Day Adventists come to town Those and guys. they're recruiting very heavily. And he decides he's going to convert from Catholicism to Seventh Day Adventistism. So. <laughs> What he likes is they they're, they have very strong uh, holistic beliefs that basically like what you put into your body, like it's all about health and wellness. So he becomes a vegetarian. Um, he stops drinking. He stops eating processed food. He stops smoking. Um, and he also, of course, is interested in their doomsday beliefs because it essentially is has some similar... Um, uh, thinking to a doomsday cult, so that's how it was initially established. Um, all I know now is that they get Saturdays off, which I think is unfair, because <laughs> when I worked at The Gap, there was a guy who was like, oh, sorry, I can't work this weekend, I'm Seventh-day Adventist. And I was like, fucking me too, then. <laughs> um, so he loves the doomsday element. His childhood passion, he gets baptized, stops smoking and drinking, and he becomes a Seventh-day Adventist, like, top recruiter. So this is a thing they did in the 70s. The Seventh-day Adventist would open um, five-day stop-smoking clinics, oh. and that's they would get people in who just wanted to stop smoking, but then they'd be like, have you heard the good word about the end of the world? <laughs> people would be like, what's that? We have good, and then you're like, well, I'm just going to fucking smoke then. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> well, why would I quit smoking? Yeah. They're like, do you also, do you have any heroin? Yeah. Because let's do what do we do? Thank God we have Albutrin now to quit smoking. Yeah. Of- so he, in, in running these clinics, he's really good at it. And then he realizes it's really easy for him to convert people to his way of thinking. And he's like, I'm not going to fucking help people stop smoking. I want my own church. And that's where he gets the idea to get his own followers. So he invites a small group of fellow Adventists to come to his girlfriend Giselle's apartment. And he preaches to them for hours on end. That's so great. Um, He's just telling them the municipal code. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Wrong one. Wrong one. <laughs> He's checking all his big books that yeah. he loves to read. Um, this is from Psalms. <laughs> you may not cross the sidewalk on s- Sunday. Is that a mu- municipal code? Um, Saturday is a burn day. <laughs> And you're all going to burn in hell. (laughs) It's a municipal apocalypse right there. Um, Okay. For some reason, no one leaves the apartment. (laughs) Could you imagine getting invited over for like a seven-day Adventist hang, and then suddenly that guy has the floor for five hours? You'd just be like... It's too awkward to like get up and leave. Yeah. Stay for the whole thing. Because you're trapped. You're like, he won't break eye contact with you. (laughs) Giselle, do you have any water or any... Cheese, a cheese plate. Help me. Okay. 
But they're into it, obviously. In 1978, he decides to open the Healthy Living Clinic, where he sells Adventist literature and health foods at huge markups. So they basically all kind of go there and work there. He convinces a woman, so this is basically the end of his stay in the Seventh-day Adventist church, because while he has this clinic, he convinces a woman with leukemia that he can cure her with his holistic methods. Oh. And a few weeks later, she dies. Oh. And the Seventh-day Adventist church is like, you can get the fuck out right now. <laughs> um, yeah. They know. So that's actually okay with him because he wants to start his own church. So um, he convinces a small group of followers, it's 12 women, six men, two children, that the end of the world is going to come on February 17th, 1979. Um, so they spoiler sh- alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Smoker spoiler. Yeah. So they should sell their belongings, sever ties with their families, and move to the forest a uh, hundred kilometers northeast of Toronto. It's fucking bears again. Right? <laughs> He's drawn to the bears. Um, So the group is based on, obviously, religious themes, women's obedience to men, polygamy, harsh punishments, the righteousness of the leader, the sinfulness of the followers, and living miracles. So everyone's kind of like, yeah, let's do this. The world's ending. Let's move to the forest Um, and not smoke and eat vegetables. Um, My fucking nightmare. So... (laughs) Please never make me. Um, so they go out there, and he sits in a chair, he starts drinking again, just drinks all day, and watches them build him a huge octagonal cabin. Wow. Uh-huh. And that's where he comes up with the name, the Ant Hill Kids, um, for the group, because he's watching them work, and they work really fast, and they're doing it really well. So, And he's sitting back doing nothing. Meanwhile, he's secretly given up his holistic lifestyle. He's no longer a vegetarian. He's just eating junk food all the time. Um, Fuck that guy. Right? <laughs> yeah. So some people... Uh, leave the group. The ones who stay, he renames them with biblical names. He renames himself Moses, of course. (laughs) Um, And he then declares, which is always like the huge sign that you're in a cult, that he shall have multiple wives. Um, That when the polygamy kicks in, you know that like your Bible study group has gone awry. Keep your eye peeled. Up until then, praise fucking Jesus. The second it's like, I need three wives, go to a different, there's so many other Bible studies that you can go to. Um, Okay. Uh, So, oh, and then he makes every woman in the group his concubine. Um, And yes, so this, the storyline of this is like any cult and it's totally insane. His drinking, his obviously mental illness and pretty serious mental illness. Um, everything escalates. He has total power. Um, and he, it corrupts him entirely. So nobody has any money. When they were building that, um, when they were building that cabin for him, he was doling out the food. So they were all like starving while he sat there secretly snacking away. Um, and that's kind of how it went. So like he, they sold baked goods in town to make money. He took and kept all the money. And if they didn't sell enough baked goods, he would beat people with a hammer. Um, oh my God. It's the, the abuse and the violence in this story. Like it's, disgusting and there's parts like you can go read it yourself but i i'm not going to read it out loud because there's things in it it's kind of like looking at the like 
crime scene photos were like, I just don't want to know. I, I get and give him the benefit of the doubt that he is a total piece of shit. I'll tell you some stuff. It's very upsetting, but you can go into the details. I left out paragraphs and paragraphs and they're every single word I read I was like oh no what no like it's fucked like here's just an example and this is like one of the lighter things I read a woman took two pancakes instead of one so he punched her twice in the face Jesus and then later when she suggested to her husband that she wanted to leave the group he found out about it and told her husband you have to cut off one of her toes <laughs> And the husband was like, yeah, I don't think I was, am going to do that. <laughs> and he started screaming at the guy saying, you need to, um, what do you say? Don't you have any balls? If you want to be a man, you have to learn how to teach your woman a lesson. And so then the man cut off his wife's toe no. with an axe. Oh, I was really hoping they would leave. No, from there we go like this. From there, that's up here. <laughs> and then we go like that. Shit. So Google what you will. But leave me out of it. Um, so he says, and the, the thinking is, this is all of this abuse and this stuff. He makes people stand in the cold for hours. He whips them. He ties people to trees. He does it to fucking kids. The child abuse is horrifying. Oh it's awful. And he says it's all meant to purify the cult members of their sins so that they'll be saved when that end of the world comes, which is pretty soon. Just hold on a little while longer. Um, he even begins administering regular purifying sessions where he stripped them nude. He would whip them. Sometimes he'd just make them lay down and pee on them. Ew. Yeah. Um, but they're in it. I mean, they're completely yeah. brainwashed at this point. And they're totally isolated, starving. It's all the, it's all the cult things. Like, yeah. he, he really nailed it in that way. Um, a brain that washed all of them. So... Um, when that date comes and goes of the end of the world, February 17th, I believe it was, 1979, um, nothing happens. I just, <laughs> in case you didn't know, nothing happened. And so he says he miscalculated. He's going to go back, rework the numbers. Math has not always been my thing. I mean, come on. I only went to school till seventh grade. Help me out. <laughs> I mourned of medical textbooks and the municipal code. Ask me anything. Um, so that's then more, he senses that the followers' faith might be wavering. So then it, his big fix, he marries all the women that are concubines. They actually, he marries them and then uh, gets all of them pregnant. So what? he ends up fathering like 20 children. Holy shit. How many people are we talking about at this point? At this, uh, it, it is like around 20 adults. Okay. Roughly. Um, or I guess over that, probably between 20 and 25. Okay. Sorry, there are nearly 40 members. <laughs> one sen I was one sentence away from seeming like I knew what I was talking I about. I shouldn't have asked. I should, you know, it's, it's okay. It's on me. It's <laughs> <laughs> By this time, <laughs> there are nearly 40 members living and working on the comedy. Okay. So here's the end of this first commune. He, oh, no. It's bad. It's terrible. It's horrifying. He decides he wants to circumcise a two-year-old child. And in doing so, the child dies. Oh. And then he says, I didn't do it, that guy did it. And blames it on another follower. And then he says to the group, well, since he did this and he needs to be punished, 
Who votes that I castrate him? Oh my God. And they all vote yes. No. And they fucking do it. Fuck. He does it. He does it himself. That guy gets away and fucking gets to the cops. Okay, good. So the cops raid the commune. He gets arrested. And uh, a bunch of them get arrested. Um, the top, I think it's like the top three people. And uh, Rock spends two years in jail. Uh. Two years for that. Um, because the other problem is all the abuse, it's when, when they come and see everybody, obviously they're all, you know, they're, they're very thin. Um, they don't look good, but there's not like bruises. It's not overt. The abuse is not overt and they're there voluntarily and it's, they've, um, made themselves a church so they can't like the authorities can't touch them if all those people are there and want to be there um so he goes to jail for two years um still talks to the people who are still in it like he's still in contact um uh he sets up uh oh the group is down to eight wives ten children and then three other I guess two men and a woman and a woman who somehow made it so that she didn't have to marry him. Um, but they, when he gets out of jail, they make another commune, a second commune at Burnt River. And that's when the abuses escalate. So it gets fucking worse than the things I've already said. Um, he goes on three day drinking binges. Um, this woman, um, oh, he, he's, People, he's breaking people's legs with sledgehammers. He's, he's making people shoot each other. What the fuck? Like, punish each other. It's, it's complete fucking insanity. That's insane. Um, the local Children's Aid Society starts looking into them because they heard about, uh, the first commune. Mm-hmm. And so they're keeping an eye on them. Um, uh, but when they go to talk to the women, the women will not talk to them. The children, there's nothing overt. There's nothing they can do. But they're like, they're, there's something really wrong out there. Um, so in 1989, what? Uh, yeah, it that goes long? on this long. Yeah, after ex- enduring extreme abuse, um, uh, including being burned with a welding torch and having eight of her teeth pulled out, one of the followers, that's... Nothing. I wish you could fucking see the things I've read. A, a follower named Gabrielle Lavalie uh, escapes from the commune. And she gets fucking caught and brought back. And he cuts off her arm. Oh my God. Yes. Now, he had, he had already... There was a woman who complained of stomach issues that he said, I know how to do surgery. And he attempted surgery on her and she died. Fuck. So that's when Gabrielle was just like, I, this is crazy. I have to get out of this. Yeah. And then basically that happened to her. So she heals up and then is like, I'm going to do it again. And she escapes again. And this time she gets to a hospital and she tells the people at the hospital. Yes. She tells the people at the hospital, I was in a car accident. <sighs> and of course, everyone's like, uh, <laughs> because it, yeah. So, uh, the cops go straight to the camp and they basically raid it and take everybody. Uh, yeah. Uh, but he's not there. <laughs> Fuck. I just wanted you to clap a little bit so I could get you. He's not there. He's gone into hiding. It takes the police six weeks to find him. Whoa. But they finally do. So after 12 years, 
um, of having this bizarre and extremely violent and insane hold over the Ant Hill Kids cult, um, Rock Terrio is arrested. He receives 12 years for the assault of Gabrielle. Um, they, they can't prove, they don't know anything about the murder of Solange yet. Um, the, the gang, the cult dissolves, um, except for three of the concubines who, when they go and uh, visit him and have conjugal visits in jail, no. bear four more children no. to him. Yeah. Bringing the total to over 30 children that he fathered Holy in this cult. Fuck. I bet someone's related in here. To <laughs> At least one person has to be. Well, then we want to hear your hometown. Oh, they might not even know. <laughs> Yeah, they just don't know. They don't even know. Um, when the police invest, so basically, um, Gabrielle tells them about Solange's murder and how horrifying that was. Oh, sorry. This is like what in the bakery days when everything was okay. I have that sweater. I swear to fucking God. Do you really? Yes. Wow. But then, Leave. this is when they're out. They've Leave gone the- out into the wilderness. Leave the goats out of it. Yeah. For fuck's sake. The goat's like, can I talk to you? You're fucking crazy. <laughs> That's oh. his concubines. That's when they got married. Oh. Look at them. They're so... I fucking have that dress. I swear <laughs> to God. I'm sorry. This is inappropriate. No, no. Uh, here's, here's the good part. Okay. So... They investigate the murder of Solange Boyard. They charge him with second-degree murder. He pleads guilty, and he's sentenced to life in prison in the year 2000. Wow. And then, on February 26, 2011, Rock's cellmate, 63-year-old Matthew McDonald, walks to the guard station, hands them a shiv, and says, that piece of shit is down on the range. Here's the knife. I've sliced him up. His fucking cellmate just stabbed him to death one day. Holy like, shit. fuck you, buddy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he was already in jail for a murder charge, so we shouldn't really be cheering for right. Gerard. This is when everyone's confused who didn't, this is, they don't understand. This is how we start a cult. We're like, yes. <laughs> but basically he was like, this is the worst person ever, and uh, I'm already in here. I'm staying in here for life. Yeah, let's double, so let's double up. He's going down on the range. Um, yeah, and that's the hideous and upsetting story of the Ant Hill Kids Cult. Uh, Sorry, I threw it everywhere. <laughs> wow. Terrible. Another one of those many fucking things that you're like, how did I not hear about this? Yeah, it's, I think because it's so, it's just that thing of unchecked power. Like, it's just so extreme. Yeah. And he just could do anything he wanted, and then he fucking did. And then people believe in him. Right. That's the crazy part. Stop it. Stop it. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like, perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, 
Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Okay. (sighs) Guys, this is the no longer cold case of Renee Sweeney. This is some crazy shit. This is my... Okay, here we go. Sudbury. Pretty great. (laughs) Um, It's a city in Ontario, Canada. (laughs) And uh, over here. And here. Uh, So a lot of this information, uh, at two o'clock today, I decided that I realized that the murder that I had been working on was took place 33 hours away from here. Oh. And I was like, they're going to be mad at me. I'm not doing that. So <laughs> My I, whole thing was in Montreal. Well, then they would have been double mad. Um, <laughs> so I went on our uh, My Favorite Murder Gmail page and put in Ontario. And this is the first one I found. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course, because I've read about it. Um, and so I got a lot of little things from actually our email account for Murderinos. Oh, nice. About Sudbury, someone, a Murderino named M said, quote, I almost put the Providence abbreviation there, but then I thought if Georgia was reading this, she'd appreciate the full name when she said where it was. <laughs> so thank you, M. So it's about 400 kilometers from Toronto. Okay. 248.548 miles. How many? 248.548 miles. <laughs> So kilometers are smaller than miles. That's what I gather from that information. Yeah. Yeah. The metric system, it's a mystery to me and every American. Thank you. Um, About Sudbury, uh, um, a murderino named Emily wrote us and said, it's, quote, home of the big nickel. What? And then she says, it's Emily with two E's, shout out, because she says, for real, for real, we're literally known for just having a huge fucking statue of a nickel. And then, so there's this story. We have to go back to the nickel. (laughs) Okay. How big is the nickel? Is it just a little bit bigger than a regular nickel? Do you want it in metrics? The metrics, or do you want yes. it? It's really big, huge, huge. Is it as big as this? <laughs> like a, like a, like a Ferris wheel type of. <laughs> Can you ride the nickel? Uh, Wait. Also, do you guys? Okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, but we're not going to ask the audience any more questions. No, we're not. That's a bad idea. <laughs> 
even though they're Canadian. They know everything. Super pop, super polite. Okay, so this is their like, this is their fucking case. And this one reminds me a lot of one of my obsessions, which is the Austin yogurt shop murders that I'm obsessed with. Yeah, so in 1998, 23-year-old Renee Sweeney is a fourth-year, what did we say that, how did we say we said that? Laurentian. Laurentian. (laughs) I knew you'd remember that. Laurentian University student. She's studying music. She plans on attending teacher's college so she can teach music and history. She has a steady boyfriend, plays the trombone in the Sudbury Symphony Orchestra. Wow. She's like, she's fucking great, because of course she is. She's a sweet baby angel. She fuck, she's beautiful, friendly, warm. Her sister Kim said she had a lot of friends, but she was also quiet. She was like really studious. This is her. Uh-huh. So she needed uh, to help pay for school, so she got a good paying part-time job that fit her school schedule it was at an adult video store which of course everyone and everyone where I read it wants to make clear like that she was not in a CD underbelly all this bullshit but it also is like well even if she was it didn't matter but it was she was just a good job that she got um it's and they had to pay people a lot to work there (laughs) truly (laughs) Um, and you can wipe down the counters anytime you want pretty much like you know when you go in your video store in the 80s and 90s and then there was a back red room yeah it was basically just a whole store of the back red room (laughs) not that big of a deal okay you know um but it was (laughs) what i just thought of your um wasn't that porn that you said you saw one time naked with shoes naked with shoes on (laughs) naked with shoes on it's in the the whole story's in the book (laughs) stay sexy and don't get murdered coming out on may something uh Okay, so the the video store is located in a busy strip mall, so it's not like creepy or anything like that. There's a fucking natural food store next door where she sometimes shops. Um, (laughs) And a door that connects the two. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a bagel store, a couple shops over. It's like a normal fucking thing. Okay. Here we go. It's a cold morning on Tuesday, January 27th, 1998. And Renee opens the video store by herself on what would normally have been her day off because she wants to go to a uh, music performance on Saturday. So she works that day instead to get the day off. At 11.15, she's on the phone with a friend and then says she has to get off because a customer has come in the door. So she gets off the call. What happened happened next is based on all the evidence because there's no witnesses. Um, The man who had entered the store stabbed her multiple times while she stood in front of the counter of the store. She collapses. He thinks she's dead. He goes back into the washroom and washes up. When he's done, he comes out, and she's not where he had left her. She, despite suffering dozens of stab wounds, fucking Renee, badass, is able to drag herself behind the counter trying to get to the phone, but she doesn't make it. Um, He stabs her again. She was stabbed at least 35 times. Jesus Christ. It's horrifying. Her attacker then stole about $200 from the till and a couple items from the shop, and then he ran out pushing past a couple who were walking into the store who were just trying to get porn. I mean, these Uh, people. It took them so long to just even get up the guts, go in. Um, And they came upon the bloody scene and called 911. Horrible. I know. So people saw his face as he ran by 
bagel store and shit. And when police arrived, they used tracking dogs to track his movements. It led them through some schools into a nearby wooded area where they found the killer's abandoned bloody jacket and a pair of gardening gloves that the killer had been wearing. He like fucking took them off and left them. So let me show you the photo. It's so fucking creepy of the, that's there. Um, and then it's a really original name. <laughs> so this is the jacket, which is like so distinct, right? That's what's so crazy about this case. And I feel like it's so frustrating, almost more so when there's like not a lot of evidence is when there's so much evidence and yet it still goes fucking cold and no one comes forward with any information. It's, yeah. it's almost like the pieces are right there and no one can put them together. Um, so... So this is, a, it's a men's large, ocean blue colored high Sierra jacket. It was sold only at Mervyn stores in the U.S. Oh, Mervyn's. <laughs> Remember Mervyn's? Yeah. Um, so it was only sold in the U.S. during the winter of 1994 to 95, so three years earlier. So it's fucking specific as shit, right? Closest Mervyn's to Sudbury is a six or seven hour drive. So like not a lot of people were fucking sporting this, right? <laughs> Do you recognize this? Someone call in, please. Okay. <laughs> Um, another strange thing about the jacket is that it's the middle of fucking January in Ontario. And as you and I know, because we inappropriately dress for this trip, <laughs> it's fucking freezing. It's fucking freezing. And that jacket's not going to cut it. Yeah. You know? So that's like a weird thing too. So they're like, oh, is he from out of town? What's the deal? Um, and inside the coat pocket, they find a single diaper pin. Ew. Isn't that creepy? Yeah. So many fucking... Um, so back at the video store. Also, sorry, but the idea that they used to use those things near babies <laughs> is like the most upsetting. Have you ever undone, like, I, my mom used to have a diaper pin, like she saved a couple from when we were babies. Yeah. And you had to literally pin diapers because I'm 69. <laughs> but if you flick one open, yeah. no, they're done for. They were fine with sharp shit around babies back yeah. then. They didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> Smoking over the baby as you stick a pen in to their diaper. There were no fucking covers on electric outlets. You, you learned not to do that the first time you stuck a fork in it. That's how you learn. And then you're like, that's kind of fun. And then you kept doing it and you got spanked for it. Are you telling us a story, Georgia? I don't know. Like having a recovered memory. Just say it. Just keep talking. What else? I hate Janet. Okay. No, I love you. I texted her. She texted me. We were like meaning to call each other. And I was like, I'm sick as fuck. Like, I can't talk. And she was like, you, she texted back. You love that word. There's your favorite word again. Um, well, I will, I have a fucking sore throat. So I'm not fucking going. Like, she just like mimicked me. She's such an asshole. Uh, <laughs> this is horrible. Janet. Janet. Okay. Back at the video store. The killer's uh, bloody fingerprints are found on the, ca the cash box where he stole the money, as well as a bloody footprint. And they could figure out that the print came from a man size 10 Brooks brand athletic shoe. And they can tell it was like the kind of shoe was a white shoe with a black stripe. Like they fucking had all this information about this person that they, of course, it was a huge story because it's insane. So. Say, uh, Sergeant David Tafali of the Greater Sudbury Police Sudbury. Yeah, you're there. You I'm got suddenly it. in England. <laughs> Sudbury. Um, then the lead investigator on the case said, "Quote: Renee fought him and fought him hard, and because of this, um, investigators were able to gather DNA from under Renee's fingernails from her scratching the shit out of her attacker." Amazing. Amazing. 
Witnesses described the killer as early 20s, 5'10 to 6 feet tall, 140 to 150 pounds, with short, dark hair and glasses, and a sketch, a composite sketch was made of him. It's creepy. I'll show you in a minute. Okay. As for the motive, uh, the investigators didn't, even though he stole shit, it was like an afterthought, so they didn't think it was robbery. (laughs) Robbery. Um, Investigators discovered that someone had, so, okay, so someone had been calling and hanging up on Renee um, in the weeks leading up to her death, and they found this out because she never mentioned anything to, um, to her friends, family, or coworkers, but they checked her phone records, and someone had been obsessively calling her and harassing and, like, they think stalking her and hanging up. Um, and also because coworkers said that she always used to park as far away from the store as possible, which I think is that fucking annoying ass rule when you work in a store and they make you, which shouldn't be allowed. Or she was embarrassed. <laughs> She's like, what? I work at the bagel store. I didn't even know what you're talking about. I love schmear and. So she would usually park far away for some reason. For whatever reason. Uh-huh. Um, and then in the week leading up to her murder, she had started parking right in front of the, the store, but she never mentioned to anyone why. Um, and so shortly after the murder, the police arrested a 31-year-old man, uh, charged him with first-degree murder in the case, later admitted they'd wrongly accused him based on a mistaken match with the fingerprint, and issued an apology, let him go. It wasn't him. Um, and the apology part is how you know it wasn't in the States. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Yeah. Um, despite a composite sketch of the killer, the distinctive jacket and gloves left behind, the possibility that the murderer had scratches on his face because he was covered up everywhere else, so where else would she have scratched him? Um, all this other shit, there would not be another arrest in the case for nearly another 21 years. So, police had eliminated 1,800 people of interest when, in early 2017, Greater uh, Sudbury Police released a new composite image of the murder suspects using our friend Parabon Nano Labs. We know them. (laughs) We don't know them. They're so fun at the Christmas party. It's nuts. They take everyone's DNA. <laughs> um, so they're that the DNA technology that um, remember right? It, okay, when they they're in uh, Virginia, they use a snapshot DNA phenotyping service, and they predict what the appearance of the killer would look like based on ancestry D- DNA. So I'll show you. Essentially, uh, it's they do that. Yes. So wow. like a creepy as fuck realistic photo, and that's the composite sketch next to it. Wow. Yeah. So they, I mean, obviously it's so close and creepy, and, we, and I'll take it away. What do you think? I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so creepy. I, this was like right, yeah. Oops. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Look down. You have all... Am I stealing the covers? You have all the covers. <laughs> I'm freezing. <laughs> Okay. That's so funny. Is it just, has it been slowly doing it the whole time? <laughs> That's so distracting. Sorry. No, no, no. We're going to have to bring a new, a new setup. <laughs> Vince. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so creepy. I think this is like, before, right before, I remember this is like the new thing right before um, the Golden State Killer was caught based on genetic genealogy. Like yeah. this was the thing. And it's fucking creepy as shit. Everyone's losing their mind. Uh, and the suspect 
is that they had come up with is a male of Northern European ancestry with fair skin, blue-green eyes, brown blonde hair and freckles, few freckles, and then they added eyeglasses, and yet still nobody was like, yo, that's my brother. Like, someone knew that fucking jacket, you know? So then, <laughs> so our friend M from earlier, from the Murderino, uh, is she here? She's here. <laughs> Someone's acting like they're M, but we can't tell for no. sure until we get her DNA. Someone. <laughs> We're going to get a picture up and we'll see if it's you. Someone's drunk and has an M in their name. <laughs> <laughs> so M. Um, My name's Catherine. M. <laughs> So she says, in her email to us, she said, last year was the 20th anniversary, so it started getting a lot of attention again, and the police were feeling extra pressure to get it solved because she was a pretty young white university student and not one of those thousands of missing and murdered indigenous women in this country. That's right. That's right. Good point. Very good point. So... That doesn't mean Renee doesn't deserve it to be, but I also wanted to go ahead and yes, bring that up. It's a very it's good important. point. Okay, so this, so the new lead of the, the facey face over there uh, <laughs> brought in hundreds of tips, of course, and then, okay, and then in early 2018, um, the law came into effect that expanded Canada's... <laughs> <laughs> Someone's NyQuil just hit really hard. <laughs> Canadia. Oh. I'm really sick. <laughs> I say it as a joke, you know? And then I, as it came out of my mouth, I could have acted like it was a joke, but I just couldn't. No. Okay. No. You guys, uh, Canada's national DNA data bank, which at the time had only had DNA from convicted offenders and DNA collected from crime scenes. It expanded um, and it gave uh, everyone hope of catching Renee's killer. It was Lindsay's Law, named after 14-year-old Lindsay Nichols, who had um, gone missing on Vancouver Island in 1993, which is why this law was passed, and expanded the database, data bank to include DNA from missing persons as well as from unidentified human remains, so we can find out you know, who is who. So. We're not totally sure what led to this crack in the case because they're not, they're not talking about it, but we all fucking know. Um, <laughs> it's probably something similar to the Golden State Killer. It's probably um, genetic genealogy because a couple months ago, in early November 2018, Greater Sudbury Police identified a person of interest hmm. via forensic evidence, which led them to obtain a search warrant. And this led to the fucking arrest of 39-year-old Robert Stephen Wright of North Bay. Wow. They fucking caught him. Yes. Want to see his picture? Sure. So, oh. he was 18 years old what? when he killed Renee. Yep. So, on December 12th, 2018, he was arrested. This asshole was an 18-year-old uh, Lockerbie composite student at the time of the murder, where he was voted quietest. Ew. So fucking creepy. God damn it. Listen. Also, sorry. Why are you voting on quietest? Like, <laughs> like you're not allowed to vote on like Never heard creepiest. Yeah, so exactly. The teacher's like, sorry, the yearbook teacher. Makes, sorry. Makes the hair on my the back of my neck stand up. Pissed. Yeah. <laughs> 
quiet is. That's horrible. It's insane. The school is located about 500 meters or a third of a mile. Oh, now I understand. Away from the video store. Oh, so, of no. course, I'm reading all these Reddit theories, and people are like, did he fucking, like, leave school for lunch and go into, like, what the fuck? It's insane. Um, Which actually would be the perfect hiding place. Right. That's because they wouldn't be like, oh, this murderer is in the high school. I think they kind of did search, though, oh. um, because the dogs actually tracked his scent through, through the, the school grounds. Oh, yeah. wow. So, yeah. So, this dick, who also goes by Steven or Steve. Steven. <laughs> <laughs> He's arrested at his place of work, which is the North Bay Regional Healthcare Center. It sounds like a hospital. He worked there as an emergency lab room technician. So the fucking thing that got him caught, as he's working there, he must have been scared shitless. <laughs> yes, fucking good. I bet he was. And of course, people describe him as gentle, nice, and quiet. Insanely quiet, to um, the point of being upsetting. Right. But to now... I know. Disgusting. Um... Wow. So, just this past Thursday, February 21st, a three-day bail hearing wrapped up in Sudbury Court, um, where the court heard 12 hours of testimony on uh, whether or not to give this fucking psychopath bail. Obviously, don't. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, there's a court-ordered publication ban on the, on, uh, on the testimony, so none of the details can be made public, but um, the, the Justice Edward Garreau said he needed more time to consider to granting bail, and he's going to de- uh, deliver his decision on March 27th. So let's fucking keep an eye on that asshole. <laughs> not the judge, the fucking... <laughs> not mad at him. So Kim Sweeney, the younger sister of Renee Sweeney, last spoke to her big sister the night before Renee's murder in 1998 when they stayed up until 12.30 in the morning talking on the phone, Mm -hmm. which is something that Kim's always been glad about. Um, She said, it's been a very long 20 years. I'm so grateful that throughout this time, you've never forgotten my sister Renee. Not only was she my amazing sister, but she was also my best friend. Mm -hmm. And that's the not cold anymore case of (sighs) Renee Sweeney. Amazing. Yay. 21 years. This is why... I swear, every night before bed, I Google cold case and just read the news because it's oh, there's always just it's another one time. happening. Every time, it's so incredible. It's true. We live in a great age. A wonderful and yet horrifying time. Um, do we have time for a hometown? Yeah, let's see. Could we have the lights up a little so we can look? Vince. Oh, there's Vince. Yo. Uh, I took the liberty of looking it up, and uh, it's a pretty big fucking nickel there in Sudbury. Is it? Uh, it's ah. a big fucking nickel, yeah. How big, Vince? How big? Um, pretty fucking big. Is it? <laughs> also, out west, when I used to tour out there, there's a town called Vulcan, Alberta, where they have a giant Enterprise, Starship Enterprise what? statue. Yeah, so. You guys love that shit. <laughs> a whole town of nerds? Yeah. <laughs> Canada's the best. I love Canada. I just want to remind. I want to remind all you guys to always support Canadian comedy and yes. always support Canadian comics. Please. All right? Thanks, Vince. Good point. Um, all right. Oh, let's There's take a look. Rules. Okay. Listen to Karen's rules. I'm going to tell you some rules while you wave your arms around. <laughs> uh, you can do that. That's fine. 
Um, but this is the thing that helps most when we do um, our hometown murders. We love it to be local. Um, uh, certainly not American. We love it uh, when you are not so drunk you can't tell your own story. We love it when it's concise, when it has a beginning, a middle, and end. What happened? Then what happened? How did it end? That's a beginning, a middle, and end. Why did I just say that? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, it's very uh, nerve-wracking to be up here, so keep that in mind if you're the kind of person that might, th 30 seconds in, have a breakdown. Maybe don't raise your hand. Um, what else? Am I forgetting anything? You drunk, you did, I don't know. I did it. drunk. All I think right. they, they know how okay. to do it. So, <laughs> who's got a goodie? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, come here. Go that way. Okay, I'm you can bring the lights down, please. Thing. Yeah, lights down. Thank you. I'm trying a new thing of picking people out, but I'm not going to tell anyone what it is. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> because. Ooh, could you bring the lights down before um, she gets up here? Yeah, she'll freak out. <laughs> Close her eyes. Lights down. <laughs> like, don't look. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. It's Nikki. Nikki, everyone. Where are you from, Nikki? Well, I live in Toronto, but my story takes place in uh, Rockwood, Ontario. Thought I was going to have to clarify that's near Guelph, but okay. <laughs> they know. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So um, my story takes place, uh, or it starts, um, when my mom was driving me and my sister to visit our grandparents on their farm in Rockwood. So... As we're turning into their long, it's like a kilometer long driveway. What? Uh, <laughs> um, suddenly their neighbors, it's a, you know, kind of dilapidated barn and weird situation. It's always looked pretty hoarder-esque uh, there. Um, there are like five cop cars, two ambulances. And I turn to my mom and I'm like, mom, what's going on? And her face drops, and she says, that's Tony Borders' house. So, now, now we actually have to go back to when my mom was 19, and one of her very close friends, Susan Porter, was found uh, strangled to death in a shallow grave. <sighs> so, when she was found, it was uh, pretty clear they were able to uh, identify who her killer was uh, very quickly. So Susan Porter, her older sister, was married to Tony Border's older brother. And one night, uh, he offered to, Tony Border offered to drive Susan home. And it's unclear whether it was consensual or not, but they engaged in sexual activities and he uh, was choking her for pleasure and he went too far and she she died and he panicked he dumped the body and luckily he was caught and unfortunately he was only charged with manslaughter so he got uh, I think it was eight years so now we get to fast forward back to us driving into the farm so Tony Border after he uh, got out of jail he went on uh, to get married to a lovely lady named Crystal. Now, Crystal, um, she 
she, she had a very low IQ and she was a lot younger than Tony and, you know, she, she hadn't been very educated and she was just a very, very sweet woman. Um, but Tony, uh, he was an abusive man and he, he was, you know, he was into sexual games and stuff like that that he would force her into. They had two very young sons, and uh, on the day that we happened to be driving past, he had uh, set up a noose in their barn. And he, they had a, a safe word, and he had said, okay, I want you to raise me up, and when I get to my sexual level, I will signal and you'll let me down. But she was at her, her end. She was at the end of her rope, literally. Oh. <laughs> and Crystal, and Crystal, when he signaled to be let down, she just didn't. <laughs> and she chain, she chain smoked cigarettes for 15 minutes. As he hung, oh my God! Before she cut him loose, and because he was so fucked in the head, he had wanted to film all of these oh, sexual no. activities. So the whole thing is on camera. Oh my, my God! And so, at the end of it, she calls the police. She turns herself in. She said, "I killed him," but he fucking deserved it. <laughs> he totally deserved it. Jesus Christ. And she, and she, at her, at her court case, my, my nanny, who's my grandmother, sorry, British, um, she, she, uh, she testified, she said that, you know, Crystal was really lovely, she was a really nice lady, that, you know, this was very out of character, and Crystal ended up only getting, uh, two years of house arrest. Holy shit. Holy shit. Oh my shit. God. So... I just wanna, I just wanna add, my mom actually was supposed to be here tonight with me, but she lives in Perry Sound, and it was in, it, it was, uh, it was icy, and she couldn't get here. Oh, thank God, I was so afraid no, you were no, gonna no, say no. something Oh, else. no, 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 oh. she's very safe, she's at home with her cats. What's her having, name? Her name's Amanda. So my sister is, my, my sister Christina is here with me, so she's part of the story too. Uh, and yeah, so it ends up turning out well, luckily, that guy got his just desserts. <laughs> Nikki, everybody. Wow. Great job. So good. Jesus. Great job. It was perfection. Yeah. That's how you do a hometown murder. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh no. That was amazing. There's twists. I didn't know. I, I was like, uh-oh. I absolutely it. wrote that in my head very differently. <laughs> very differently. The whole thing could have gone south. I honestly feel like that's the first time I've ever heard of a woman in a, like a revenge killing like that getting that kind of a, a sentence. Again, we're in Canada. Oh, we're in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. That's like last night... <laughs> I'm watching TV and there's a commercial that comes on for some cereal and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, the, oh, that's right. I'm in a different country. It was like, it was like some cereal it looked just like a cereal commercial and everything was right. And then it looked, it was as if I was in a movie where they had to put on a fake commercial. So it was like, it was shreddies, I think they were called. Yeah. 
are they delicious? I was just like, fucking shreddies, what's happening? Like they couldn't use the brand name in your movie and so yes. they put a fake one on? It was like a, the 555 of cereals. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. This is two for two of my new picking method of hometowns. and we're Yeah, fucking, that's because yeah. we're in Toronto, that's baby. Right. Maybe it's just because we're in Canada. I'm going to take credit for it, though. Okay, no, it's all you. It's right. all you, girl. Um, you guys... You, Toronto, uh, sold out this humongous theater two nights in a row for us. It's fucking crazy. It really it's crazy. Is. Last time we were here, I think it was a year ago, you guys did the same thing, and we like got to fucking headline over a bunch of fucking comedy dudes who are not <laughs> used to two fucking ladies just talking and selling shit out. So thank you. Yeah. This whole community means so much to us. We appreciate you guys so much for letting us do this. It's such a beautiful fucking thing to see you guys come together and be friends and share your stories and share your anxieties. And uh, we just love the community so much. Also, you've given us over 500 Canadian Kit Kats so far. <laughs> it's true. We have so much candy right now. It is disgusting. It's crazy. And amazing. And we love it. You, you guys put caramel in them. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Yeah, this is, a, this is a dream come true. I mean, we're like living a dream come true. And it's because of our amazing listeners who support us and are here. And we just can't thank you enough. We'll never be able to. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you for being there for each other. Yeah. It's really amazing. And uh, so stay sexy. And... Bye, Toronto. Thank you. Thank you.